Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Tuesday, December 27, 2022. Dozens of people have been reportedly killed in ongoing fighting in the Greater Pibor Administrative Area. We are saddened and shocked by the report of a barrack attack on Guru country of Greater Pibor Administrative Area by armed criminals suspected to be from our state. And IGAD is urging the South Sudan government to address the conflict in Upper Nile State. When the situation escalated in Upper Nile, it was not our creation. There was a split within the rounds and files of SPLAIGO. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in Greater Pibor Administrative Area report that at least 56 people have been killed and 17 others injured in attacks. Officials describe the violence as an invasion by an armed militia group known as the White Army from neighboring Jongulai State. For VOA News, Deng Deng reports from Bor. The violence came just days after the United Nations mission in South Sudan warned of the threats of mass attacks in the region following reports of that armed youth have mobilized in parts of Jongulai State. Abraham Kelang, the information minister in the Greater Pibor administrative area, says the attacks started Saturday, Christmas Eve, in Gumru County. Kelang says the White Army militia captured the villages of Big Beach and Manyabol as it advances toward the county headquarters, Gumruk Town. Uh, they attack uh, Likwangole County, site uh, near Kongor Buma, and place a distance in Payam, Kongor uh, Payam, distance in the one, one, one and a half hour uh, to Payam Town. It's still uh, also the same time yesterday, uh, attacking happened in, in Gumru County, uh, in headquarters, in yesterday, and I found killing uh, kill, uh, killing persons, death persons, and injuring persons inside of Lekwango and inside of Gumru. Uh, 56 deaths, both sides, in Jongole uh, use and Morule use, and injured 17. Minister Kelang says thousands of civilians have been displaced and livestock stolen. The village is burning in Komoru County. In the beginning of attacking, there are some of houses burning there. And also, before two years, uh, those attackers have some of cattle living inside of Nana. Uh, this is what uh, information we receive. Kelang says Pibor authorities have limited capacity to halt the violence and says it could stop if officials in Jonglei State call back the youth leading the attacks. I think it's not enough. It's not a way of solution. Uh, when we come and discuss the solution, then uh, fight it. If we, if we are, killing, if we are uh, finishing a civilian like that, uh, or government of Jonglei sending the youth, See, in the beginning of mobilization, uh, CA and Honorable Nakalina, they uh, called the, the uh, governor of Jongole to come and solve all the issues. And even they received 11 feet and 13 guns to uh, governor of Jongole. And also, it's still in mobilizing youth and then come to here. Uh, and in, today, we, we're discussing currently, fighting is still ongoing. Uh, let Jongole stop the youth and we will come and solve what is uh, cause problem between the civilians. 
John Samuel Manyon, the Jongle State Information Minister, condemns the attacks. Manyon calls on the armed youth to return to their home areas immediately, saying attacking neighbors is criminal and unacceptable. We are saddened and shocked by the report of a barrack attack on Guru County of Greater Pibor Administrative Area by armed criminals suspected to be from our state. This news reaches us when the acting governor, His Excellency Jacob Akedangdit, and some ministers were on a mission to assess the flooding situation in Jale in order to know the viability of the situation for the return of our people from IDPs and cattle camps in the areas of greater Equatoria region. Minister Manuan says Jonglei State will do its best to investigate their violence and ensure the culprits face justice. As government of Jonglei State, we are affirming our commitments toward peace between our people and those of Greater Pibor Administrative Area. And as we agreed upon on October 16, 2022 in Pibor Town that we will always call criminals as criminals and not as communities or ethnicity because the atrocities being committed are perpetuated by the individual who acted on their own. Manuan appeals to the national government to be part of the solution to ending the cycle of intercommunal violence in Jonglei State and Greater Pibor Administrative Area. At a peace conference in January 2021, President Salvakir told communities in Greater Jonglei he will not intervene if communities continue to engage in ethnic violence. Cattle raids, revenge killings, and child abductions have become common in parts of Jonglei and the Greater Pibor Administrative Area, despite many goodwill agreements signed by both communities in recent years aimed at ending the violence. Enmon Yakani, the executive director of local group Community Empowerment for Progress, calls on the national government to exercise its responsibility to protect civilians and to avoid repeating the recent violence in Upper Nile State. The violence that is going on now in Greater Pibor area launched by the armed youth from the Low Nuer Duke and right now we are aware that also Bor youth is joining, is constituting really a crime against humanity. These armed youth have Overrun Gumruk Town, and we are worried that in the act of overrunning Gumruk Town, they are committing gross human rights violations against the civilian population. The United Nations mission in South Sudan says it is closely monitoring the escalation of tensions and violence in the Greater Pibor administrative area. Yunmi says it has intensified patrols around affected areas and is working with the international community to support national and local authorities to restore calm and protect civilians. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaideng in Bor. At least 16 people were killed and 19 wounded in a bus crash in the Sudanese city of Umdurman early today. The Associated Press says the accident occurred when a passenger bus heading to Khartoum from Al-Fashir swerved off the road and hit a parked truck. Ambulances transferred the injured to the hospital in Umdurman, the twin city of the capital Khartoum. The AP says the cause of the accident is not yet known. The news service notes that thousands of people are killed in traffic accidents each year in Sudan, often due to badly maintained roads and poor enforcement of traffic laws.
And from Khartoum, we move to Juba, where the Intergovernmental Authority on Development has called on the South Sudan's top leadership to address the conflict in Upper Nile State. The Executive Secretary of IGAD also called on regional leaders to intervene and use their leverage to ensure that no entity or individual undermines the peace and stability of South Sudan. For VOA News, Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba. The IGAT Executive Secretary, Wekne Gebehu, expressed extreme concern over the instability in Upper Nile and parts of jungle states and appealed for a de-escalation of the violence. Wekne called on President Salva Kiir, First Vice President Riyak Machar, and other signatories to the country's revitalized peace deal and regional leaders to intervene urgently. He says conflict in the region has displaced 50,000 people and the United Nations Office of the Human Rights Commissioner estimates it has cost more than 150 deaths. In his statement released Monday, Wakene appealed to the IGAT Assembly of Heads of State and Government to, quote, use their leverage to ensure that no entity or individual undermines the peace and stability of South Sudan, end of quote. Pork both Baluang, the acting press secretary in the office of the first vice president, Riak Machar, welcomes the IGAT statement. He says while calm has returned to the areas of violence, especially in parts of Upper Nile State, much more needs to be done politically. He says humanitarian intervention is needed to fully address the problem. The fighting in Upper Nile State began four months ago. Officials say it involves various rival militia groups, including the SPLMI Orchid Gwang faction, the Aguelek forces, and a militia known as the White Army from Jungle State. Baluang blames the crisis on what he calls the delayed implementation of the security arrangements defined in the peace agreement. He also says the failure of SPLMIG and SPLMI Orchid Guang faction to implement their unification agreement contributed to the violence. Well, the lack of the implementation of uh, security arrangement, uh, it is reflected uh, clearly in this uh, violence. If there are the forces that are uh, deployed in that area, uh, the forces will have uh, come and intervene to uh, uh, to support the civilians and also to repulse any attack. Efforts to reach South Sudan government spokesperson Michael McQuay were unsuccessful. However, South Sudan Army spokesperson Major General Lul Roy Kwong says the Army has acted to contain the situation including deploying troops to the conflict areas under orders from President Kiir. Kwong denies that delays in the implementation of the security arrangement contributed to the conflict. When the situation escalated in Upper Nile, it was not our creation. There was a split within the ranks and files of SPLAIO, and they started fighting among themselves. We are not the ones that are running the affairs of SPLAIO. That was the genesis of the crisis. Other actors were drawn in, like the White Army from Jongle State. The White Army left on foot and crossed the River Nile. They were living in areas not under the control of the government. They left from areas under the control of SPLAIO. 
He also denies that the failure to implement the agreement signed between the SPLMIG, SPLMI Orchid Guang faction and the Aguelec forces in the capital Khartoum contributed to the violence. Nearly a year ago, President Kerr's SPLMIG faction signed an agreement with the leaders of the SPLMI Orchid Guang faction and the Aguelec militia force. The deal was aimed at unifying them with the South Sudan People's Defense Forces. For viewer news, Mwake Simon Wudu in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Zambia has repealed a law that criminalized insulting the president. Find out more after this break. Questions. The question today. What is your favorite meal? I like chips and uh, anything braai, whether chicken or, or beef. My favorite meal is our fish, mainly jambo, and the local vegetables like in Kwani. I love chapati. Like, I, I don't know why I love chapati, but I just love chapati. There's no reason for loving it. Like, chapati every day. My favorite meal is uh, jollof and rice with chicken. That, that would be best for me. My favorite food, matoke, that is banana and, um, and beans. Banana and beans, yes. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Critics of Zambia's law against insulting the president have welcomed the government's repeal of the controversial measure as a step forward for democracy. Rights groups say the colonial era law has been used to silence government critics. President Hakayandi Hichilema announced the repeal over the weekend along with the abolition of the death penalty. Kathy Short reports from Lusaka. Daniel Sinjuala Libati, a human rights lawyer, told VOA that he is happy with the repeal of the defamation law announced late Friday by President Hichilema. Very good. Very good. It allows uh, people to freely criticize, not insult, freely criticize the presidency and provide checks and balances and constructive uh, criticism in line with the right to freedom of expression under our Bill of Rights. Political analyst Guess Nurenda says while he's happy with the enactment of the law, a lot still needs to be done to promote freedom of expression in Zambia. Would like to urge President Haka in the Hichlema to set the tone and continue doing good, especially in attending to the draconian undercake clause. Opposition National Democratic Party leader Saboy Imboela has been arrested multiple times under the defamation law. She told VOA that while she welcomes the repeal of the colonial era law, she urges Zambians to exercise caution. She notes that the existence of cyber security laws is a concern as they will restrict freedom of expression. 
I see a situation whereby they're going to use any laws whatsoever to ensure that they get to their political opponents. So the people in Zambia should not even feel comfortable. They should be careful now, actually more than ever before, about what they say on Facebook because the president and his people are going to use the cyber laws to come after you for whatever it is that you're going to say. In a statement late Friday, Hichilema also announced the repeal of the death penalty. Zambia's last execution took place in 1997, but some 250 people were still on death row as of 2021, including nine people newly sentenced. Mwelwa Mulea is the spokesperson for the Zambia Human Rights Commission, which oversees human rights issues in the country. He told VOA the repeal of the laws will improve Zambia's human rights record following increased arrest of political opponents. The signing of that bill into law is a landmark development towards enhancing the fundamental right to life and also the right to freedom of expression and must be commended by everyone. Earlier in 2022, Amnesty International Secretary General Agnes Kalamad met with Hichilema in Zambia, urging his government to repeal the defamation law, which had been used to silence critics since its enactment in 1965. During his election campaign last year, Hichilema promised to uphold human rights and freedom of expression. In the past year alone, at least 12 critics and opponents of Hichilema were arrested for insulting the president. Some multiple times. Kathy Short for VOA News, Lusaka, Zambia. With only a few days left before 2023, some residents in the South Sudanese capital, Juba, are expressing their feelings, expectations and aspirations for the year 2023. VOA's Manyang David Mayar collected these vox pops on the streets of Juba. My expectations for 2023 is South Sudan to be at least well developed and focus on the economy's crisis that we've been facing. Like the dollar crisis, it's really affecting our country. And I would like our nation, our government to work on that, to be at least humble and feel the pain of the citizens, the effects they're facing. Uh, second of all, I would like South Sudan to be at least a peaceful country. They keep on with the spirit that they have been having. No wars, no anything about the domestic things and everything that causes wars, the conflicts. We should all stop and try and make South Sudan a peaceful country. Actually, it's job. And uh, maybe to see a new, new improvement. You know, this year actually has been not good so far. Maybe some work. Yeah. My expectation for 2023 is for 2023 to be a peaceful year, uh, a year of hope, a year of happiness. For myself, it's a year that I'm expecting to be back to the university, focusing on my education, ensure that uh, I grow. And uh, it is a year that I will be, I hope that I will be selling my book all over. I hope that it will have a change and influence in the society. Thank you. We expect like uh, things will come down, like prices of the commodity, like in the market now everything has gone up, but we expect New Year to come with 
uh, with a lot of, uh, of surprises. You know, like when things come down, there will be, it will be a surprise for all of us, and we expect that one also to happen here. We are hoping that 2023 will come with a blessing feast to all people of South Sudan, also the year of hope, the year of success to all of us. So it is uh, great for us to, uh, to go to the New Year together, to celebrate together the new celebration of the New Year, Christmas, and Christmas as well. So I wish everyone, every South Sudanese, a very wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year. For next year, I'm expecting um, the implementation of the peace. I expect that uh, a lot of activities will be done, especially in regard to preparation for elections. Uh, I see that there are other parties that have started preparing themselves, and I believe other political parties also will come up and start preparing. Uh, I also expect um, uh, that, you know, some people will return home, uh, given that... um, there will be preparation for election. Uh, people will think of coming back to, you know, prepare and elect, you know, people that they want to be their leaders in future. My expectation will be like uh, maybe in 2023. There's many things that is going to happen, like now peace, is a, peace agreement is now going on forces. Maybe it's, we're also going to have maybe a peace in in 2023 and we're expecting many things like also like we're also seeing development in the country now everything is going on very well so we're expecting everything will be happening well and we are hoping for peace in 2023 i want to go to the state to work there i want peace peace to be happen well, there's nothing specific, but uh, you see, with the new year, we always we are always hopeful that things will change. Yeah, economically, uh, in terms of political stability or any other area, we hope for the best. That is my expectation, and that's my belief. A new year will come with new things, so I don't know if they will happen or not. It's not my but my hope is it will be a better year than 2022. My expectation, number one, from the government, the government should implement the peace agreement to the letter, and uh, uh, some of the provisions that have not been implemented have to be implemented. Uh, for the security, the government should improve the security along the major roads and also security within Juba, which is uh, the capital city of the Republic of South Sudan. Uh, currently, there is a high rate of crimes uh, in the residential areas. It is basically brought about by the worsening uh, economy in the country because when the economy is not okay, then uh, the crimes come up. And when the crimes come up, the citizens suffer. So the government should improve on that. Uh, We understand that the country is going through serious economic recession. Uh, It is not a making of one person, but uh, we see like a genuine government has to put up the strategies and the public finance management strategies to see that the little money that we have is managed very well and the services are delivered to the people. And I'm expecting greater things, uh, mostly in our country, new things to come up, mostly for the youth, 
developing the youth and also the women in South Sudan. I have seen so many women are coming up and uh, I'm believing more are going to come up. Uh, in management of different sectors, yeah, they are, can also take part because we have a percentage. So in the markets, uh, in uh, NGOs, and also in the government, they should also take full responsibility. Those are the voices of some residents in the South Sudanese capital, Juba. Ethiopian officials have for the first time in nearly two years arrived in Tigray's capital, Mekele, to join in overseeing the implementation of a November peace deal. Mohamed Youssef reports for VOA from Nairobi. The Speaker of Ethiopia's Parliament, Tegese Chafodulo, arrived in Tigray's capital, Mekele, on Monday as leader of the first federal delegation to the region since war broke out in November 2020. The delegation, which state media says includes members of Ethiopia's National Dialogue Commission, are in Tigray to work on implementing an African Union brokered peace deal to end the deadly two-year conflict. The November deal signed in South Africa saw Ethiopia and the Tigray People's Liberation Front agree to cease fighting and for foreign fighters to leave, for the TPLF to disarm and for blocked aid and services to be restored. The visit will be seen as a sign that the peace deal is holding, despite TPLF allegations and reports of continued killings, looting and rape by Amhara region militias and Eritrean forces. Eritrea and the regional militias were not party to the peace deal. Eritrea and Ethiopia have denied Asmara's involvement in Tigray, though last year Eritrea acknowledged its troops' presence and said they will be withdrawn. Mediators from Kenya and the African Union are also expected to visit Mekele this week after Ethiopia and the TPLF agreed Thursday to a joint monitoring team. Ethiopia has gradually lifted a blockade on desperately needed food and medical aid to Tigray and restored some telecommunications. The two-year conflict is estimated to have killed hundreds of thousands of people and displaced millions. But information is hard to verify in Tigray and Ethiopia has also blocked journalists from entering the region. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. And that's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We leave you with the song Jamila by Sultan Clinton.
We've been listening to Sultan Clinton and the song Jamila. I'm your host, Nabil Biagio, in Washington. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. 